On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the stories of parents learning how to raise a child with a rare disease. Our co-hosts, Sanath Kumar Ramesh and Brittany Ratke, parents of rare disease kiddos who have very different situations. Sanath's son Raghav has an ultra-rare disorder known as Setagatian-type spondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. Brittany's daughter Everly has been diagnosed with SET-D5, a mutation that carries with it the potential for a range of complications and even other diagnoses. My name is Kevin Fryert. After 30 years doing research and development at Pfizer, I started Salem Oaks to help patients and caregivers understand the world of biopharmaceutical R&D. Our goal on Raising Rare is to help and lift up our listeners by sharing the unfolding stories of these two families. We also feature the stories of other rare disease families, clinicians, researchers, and industry leaders in the rare disease community. If you'd like to follow these parent stories, please subscribe to Raising Rare on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome back to Raising Rare Season 4. We thought we would start out the season by catching you up on what has been happening in all our lives since the end of Season 3, back in October and November, the last time you listened to us. So, Sonneth, how are your holidays and how is Raghav doing? I'm excited that we are starting a Season 4. Never imagined this was going to happen. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners, I'm super glad we are continuing onwards and upwards. Raghav has been happy, um, for the most part. Uh, there have been there has been this new episode of crying that um, started around November uh, and continued to worsen through December uh, and finally stopped. Um, he was in the hospital for about five days, trying to identify the problem. Um, we finally narrowed it down to the experimental medication that he's taking that we identified through the high-throughput drug screening. Um, since topping that drug, he has been happy. Okay, that's a, you know, you have a finding there, and I think that that's, that's how you learn through science. You got to see a front row seat of it. You know, here it is, what's going on with him, because we talked about it several times online and things about what was causing the crying. That's really, um, it's, it's sad news. Um, but I'm glad you were able to figure out what was going on. Any other new developments? Any other things you're looking at? Yeah, so looking back, we because to diagnose this crying, we looked back at his photos, videos, medical notes, our conversations and emails to people to find clues and piece together what um, really happened with him in the last year. Uh, and the TLDR is he has had substantial developments in his learning, motor skills, uh, and more surprisingly, his hearing. He was diagnosed with profound hearing loss. We got a cochlear implant for him because of the hearing loss in one of his ears. And in the last year, uh, he has gotten consistently better and better at hearing. At this point, he's able to listen to footsteps and figure out someone's walking to him. I have a suspicion he even 
is able to recognize people by their footsteps. Yeah, that is interesting that you look through pictures to do that and, and look back and say, where was he and where is he now? And and what did you expect him to be doing with his hearing? You know, that was, you know, one of those things that was so serious when you got the cochlear implant. And it, he apparently adjusted to it and his, he's hearing well, so or better than you expected. Better than I expected. I think it's because of the, the, the medication uh, that we put him on starting um, December of last year or the year before. Uh, I think the medication uh, somehow dialed up his ability to, to process sound. Uh, and I probably also dialed up a whole bunch of other things in his brain that got him to have better gross motor skills to a reasonable degree, have better learning, um, and, and also, you know, general uh, improvements in communication and emotions. So thanks to the medication, I think he's he's now different and better than what he would have been without the medication. Fascinating to see that happen. Just just so we've talked about one side of it. Now the other side is he's it had a very good effect as well. So how are you doing? Our last episode was with Gary David, and we talked about similarities rare disease parenting and addiction recovery of all things. And I think we both were pretty moved by that. I know I couldn't stop thinking about it for weeks, but it makes me ask, how are you doing? That conversation was pivotal in transforming my emotional state from um, that of worrying and um, struggling to accept to moving past the acceptance phase and actually acting in the moment. Uh, I think, I, I don't even remember how I was before that conversation. I, uh, all that I remember was how I felt during the conversation. And that's how profound that, um, that conversation was for me. Um, I, uh, Rami and I have been doing well, largely. I think the challenges have been uh, with his crying and other issues that are happening at home, we have had to take a more active role in taking care of take care of him. So physically and emotionally a little bit drained, uh, but on the plus side, I think we got the answer we wanted and solved his crying by stopping the study medication. So I see, I see more sunshine. Wow, thanks for sharing with that. And Brittany, I know you had kind of a rough patch right before the holidays and and a lot was going on. What happened and how are the kids doing now? Well, it's so great to be back, first of all. I'm so excited to be here. And, you know, we did hit a bit of a rough patch. We met with Everly's Complex team back in late October, which seems like 10 years ago. <laughs> I know it's just a few months, but it seems like so long ago. And we had about 10 to 12 appointments. We thought we had gotten through them without any issues. And about 30 minutes into our drive home, the team called, which we knew, you know, anytime you get a phone call, it you're on high alert anyways, but we knew something must be going on. And at that time, we found out that she had some abnormally high labs that came back that could possibly be indicative of some severe neurodegenerative muscle diseases. 
And then on top of that, they also did her tethered cord surgery in November, which landed her in the ICU for quite some time. So it was a real emotional roller coaster. But in the midst of that, similar to Sana's story, we also, we actually started a new medication for her, for a lab called Carnitine that has been extremely low for four years, basically since birth. And for the first time in four years, we had a positive lab result on that about a month ago. So we did have a really rough patch, but we've also had some really great things that have been huge in in her path. So good and bad. Sorry to hear that she's been struggling uh, and going through so many procedures and hospitalizations over the last couple of months. I, I have this this feeling that every holiday season is just cursed. Um, there's something that happens during the holiday season that just like ruins it. And I'd rather skip that the whole December month and get to January after November. It's, it's too much pressure. I agree. I know we had a side conversation about this, how... We've had this little bit of um, sunshine here for the past four to five, you know, days. And I even say like a week here where it's been really good and we'd love to sit in it. But it's also a really scary territory for rare disease families because you're kind of waiting for that ball to drop. But you also want to enjoy the moment, too. I know you know that feeling. I was going to say the um, the holidays create stress for a lot of people and and we build up expectations and we have memories and all this stuff and it 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 may be you know as you said the holidays are just tougher in families like yours because you've got to deal with the other things that happen um, unexpectedly yeah and the weather is also not great during the holidays either so you know you're just emotionally um, not in the highest possible state and then something else happens, and something else happens, and something else happens, uh, and com- compounding that with the expectation of of being happy, I think the the difference between expectation and reality is just too big during the holidays. So we're launching this episode as close to Rare Disease Day as we can. I wonder, do you guys have anything planned for Rare Disease Day, and and what does you know the whole Rare Disease Day, Rare Disease Month? mean to you, if anything? We are super excited. We just last night launched some new Evie Strong gear, and we kind of used that for what we started last year. So this will be our second annual Every Light for Everly event on Rare Disease Day. And it started last year with lighting up the town that we live in, where everyone left a porch light on, a purple light. But it ended up being basically throughout the U.S. we had people joining us. So it turned into something bigger and better than we could have even imagined. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then also locally, there are a bunch of events. But one of them that I'm really excited about and recently learned about is for International Angel Man Day, which actually happens to be Wednesday the 15th of this month. And some local friends of ours have a son 
with angel man syndrome and they do something similar except they light up blue so those are some of the smaller events that we're doing locally but i'm excited to participate in some of the bigger ones as well how about you sana i don't have any plans uh, but I'd probably do be doing something virtual. Um, I know there are there are a lot of conferences and events happening around the rare disease day that I might participate in and try raise some awareness virtually. Uh, I, I think the whole idea of of all, us all coming together and raising awareness uh, at the same time is is really important to me um, because if you look back at the the memorable rare disease awareness events. I mean, I, I could think of the ice bucket challenge that, that they did with ALS. I didn't even know ALS was a rare disease until we got my son's diagnosis, but I knew of the ice bucket challenge because everyone was doing this ridiculous thing. Uh, and, and the whole idea works only if many people do this at the same time. Uh, so I'm excited for another push to, to raise awareness on rare disease day, uh, especially uh, with the regulators and policymakers who solely need to hear about our stories. Yeah, I'm actually going to the uh, Connecticut State House on Rare Disease Day with a contingent of people with rare disease from the state. And we hold a breakfast for the uh, senators and representatives, um, you know, the, the state level ones. And uh, then we lean on them a little bit to say, hey, we need some policies changed. And we just started a Connecticut uh, Rare Disease Advisory, Advisory Committee that got passed last year, and they're just getting ready to launch that. Um, I also, by the time this comes out, I will have already spoken at a, a Drug Information Association event, which is for pharmacovigilance professionals, people who follow the safety side of drugs. But I'm in a diversity panel, and I'm bringing the rare disease perspective to kind of open their eyes to what they need to do differently when dealing with rare diseases in, in their jobs. So I'm excited about that too. That's exciting. I know Washington, where I used to live in Seattle, uh, was trying to get a rare disease advisory council established in the state. Um, I think they're still working through it, but I was briefly aware of the challenges. In it's quite hard. It's been 10 years that they've been trying in Connecticut and Massachusetts got theirs started they got the, the law passed in 2018, I think, or 19, and they just started in 2020 um, to pull the, the council together. Um, and it's it becomes challenging because there's people who want to be on that council, and then there's the people who you want to have on that council. And it's a, it's a balancing act. But whenever you get close to government, you know, people who want to have a channel to talk to them will. I don't have it on now, but I find the found the coolest zebra hat to wear. It's a it's a welder's cap, so it kind of looks like something like, you know, an, an antique railroad guy would wear. Um, but it's a zebra hat, and I got it at Tractor Supply. Oh, so you can go get your own. That's great. Um, we have one of those <laughs> locally. I'll have to look for one. Yeah. You know what we can, what I can do is is create a virtual ba zebra background and start using that during my work meetings, so I can raise awareness yeah. at my work day. Absolutely, I can find you some, because I've, <laughs> I've done that before. Just yeah, where's a good zebra background that goes well with my shirt? <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So what else are you guys looking forward to this year beyond rare disease? What else is going on that's cool? At the top of my list was meeting you two in person. Um, Many people probably don't know this, but I haven't met you guys in person yet. So I'm looking forward to that with, with some events. And I think you guys too, we tried last year so hard, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Actually, that is very true. I have just started meeting more people in person. The ones that are that are local right now, I, I try to go to rare disease meetups and meet up with a few people that I know in this area. Uh, at some point, we should all meet up. It's been... Maybe I'll just show up at your doorstep. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be great. Maybe, maybe we could just uh, order uh, a UPS pickup, Kevin. Yeah, there you go. Can you um, babysit? <laughs> exactly. I think Kevin has a lot of babysitting experience already. So yeah, check. Well, and yeah, and my wife would be up for that. That'd be worth the trip to to play with some kiddos. Um, of course, we'd have to bring our grandchildren with us because they're more they're just attached. Um, <laughs> how about you, Brittany? What else? Or Sanath, what do you, what do you have going on? Uh, I have also started working on this new initiative slash company called Cures Dev. Uh, I think I mentioned this briefly last year. I did a couple of courses on drug repurposing for patient formulations, and I found that incredibly rewarding. Um, I am starting this new project. You could call it a company because it is incorporated, but uh, it's just me helping other patient foundations do drug development. Um, starting to build a few tools around drug repurposing that I'm sharing with people. Um, hopefully these tools would be tailored enough that foundations would find it useful. I started this because um, the current landscape of tools and solutions are geared towards biotech companies. And there are very few that are oriented towards patient foundations. Um, typically, they end up identifying the right actions and opportunities through word of mouth, and that takes a long time. Uh, and I'd rather give them a package solution and say, if you were to do high-throughput drug screening, here's how you would do it. Um, here are people, here are tools and um, support that you need to to do this the right way. Uh, and hopefully, this is an opportunity for me to learn from all of the foundations that are executing these studies, and then take the learnings, incorporate them back into these tools so they're available to the next person using them. And we always used to say when I was doing Pfizer Research University, the best way to learn something is to teach it. It, it, you, you, it just opens up these different perspectives and, and you're able to look at something in a, in a multidimensional way because you're trying to communicate it to someone else. And the... The first tool that I'm building um, came out of this course that I did last year. Yeah, it becomes kind of a chain of events that grow you in the right direction. You know, you, you go where the need is. So I'm looking forward. My wife and I are taking a trip to the Middle East uh, in the middle of the year, and we're really looking forward to that. Kind of getting to the, you know, the the roots of our own faith, um, and so we're really kind of excited for that and we're just excited our older granddaughter's starting preschool and that's happening next week i think it's going to be a lot of fun um as she 
she gets into that. And the younger one is like ready to go right behind her. Um, just sort of, you know, follow the big sister around. <laughs> so we've really been, really been enjoying that. I love that. And I wanted to chime in because, of course, you know, since meeting you two are is definitely at the top of my list. I do have some other things to look forward to as well. Um, I actually am running for the local city council in our area to try to make some impact um, in the rare disease world as well. So I'm looking forward to that. They had a random opening within our city because a council member actually ended up being mayor. And I thought this would be a great way for us to try to get in and and make some impact locally, since I feel like I never can do it at the large scale at a state level. So I'm looking forward to that. And we also have some plans to bring back up our inclusive playground at our local school as well and getting that in the works. And I'm really looking forward to that. And the other thing is just having quote unquote, some normalcy with Everly was able to join a dance class again this past week. And Maverick is so busy. (laughs) Um, He is so fun and just growing and developing and looking forward to some really quality family time together outside of the hospital it's amazing i it's exciting to to be able to advocate for your community i, I think the some of the more rewarding experiences would come out of seeing the the change for not only you but also for you know so many other people in in the community for i guess like decades to come so especially like something like an inclusive playground would just stay there for a very long time serving the community so i'm super excited you're doing that Thank you. And maybe someday you guys can visit and try it out once we get it out. <laughs> yeah, congratulations with that and good luck. Is it an election or do you are you just filling a spot? Are you appointed? So there were I not yet. I find out next week. So I got a call from the mayor today which, you know, was kind of funny and um We'll find out next week, so we'll keep you posted on upcoming episodes. Okay, that's that really is a big step, Brittany. And it and as Sonnet said, you can have an impact there that's direct. Um, you can just raising awareness and then taking action and getting other people behind you. Fantastic. I hope this is the first step towards running for president in twenty forty. That's right. The mayor did ask, you know, are you gunning for my job? Because we've never had a woman mayor. And I, I said, maybe in 20 years. <laughs> so bring it on. I had a friend, um, it was actually the husband of a colleague, who had high political ambitions. I mean, he really did. And he got into the state uh, House of Representatives and he said, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and so it was like he had educated himself, done everything, and then he like really got into it and was like, it's not what he thought it was going to be. And so he became a political consultant rather than being the politician himself. But I hope you, you know, head for the White House. Thank you. <laughs> reach reach high. That's right. We, we can have it repainted and have a zebra house. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> with purple lights. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> with Regat's Which, painting. And we'll have to get one of Everly yeah. in there, too. Which actually reminds me, I wanted you to, I want you to plug the, the Everly Strong gear you were talking about. Is that something we can go purchase? Yes. So I have some good contacts. It's basically you reach out directly to me and I can get you the ordering information, but with throughout our social medias as well. So I will plug that in the show notes for everyone if you're interested in purchasing. And the best part is 15% of the proceeds are actually going towards the Ronald McDonald House in Rochester that we go to and stay at at the Mayo. So I'm excited to bring that back to them because they've had such a huge impact on our stays when we're at Mayo as well. That's incredible. I need to get one. I'll, I'll, I'll message you. Excellent. You'd look good in purple. I, I've always wondered <laughs> how to get your name on one of these buildings uh, in these hospitals. Uh, you know, uh, through the through the five days Raga was in the hospital at Stanford, I walked around the buildings and saw, you know, this is the cardiology unit. It's like so-and-so's cardiology unit, so-and-so's emergency department. And like even the hospital is called Lucille Packard Children's Hospital, named after um, the family of the, of the founder of HB company. Uh, so I Googled and tried to find the cheapest way to get your name on one of these hospital buildings. And apparently you could you could buy your way into it. it it's like 20 grand or 30 grand for uh, your name on like a hospital that's in a city that's not so popular or famous. Um, and then if you want to go get your name on Stanford or something, I think that's like, you know, millions of dollars. Yep, they've got it figured out. How do they, uh, how do they get people to donate money for having their name on things. And I can see that. I thought you were going to say the $20,000 was, you know, for the, um, like the, the drinking fountain. <laughs> um, I should have, I should have actually walked up to the reception and asked, well, can, can you name this chair after me or my son? Yeah, yeah. I've been sitting here for a whole week in this chair. Um, someday it'll be really important historically. Um, Although I was I was disappointed a little bit because um, I have this weird interest of, of of looking at the names of buildings or or names that these buildings are named after uh, in University of Washington in Seattle I think the computer science department was named after Bill Gates or his father but then they recently changed it to Paul Allen who's who was another like big philanthropist in in Seattle so. These things can be changed, but if you if you give them more money, so I'm like, ah, is it a good investment to put my money into a building's name and then eventually have someone else replace me? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, I don't have the money, and donors, I'm not going to use the money to 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 name a building up for me. But <laughs> you know, weird interests spark. I feel like we should have a room at the hospital named after us, anyways, because we're typically in the same room every time we're there. So I feel like. Let's just go ahead and, and name it, you know, after Everly. And I'm sure you feel the same about Regav. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, our insurance paid a lot of money for this. So might as well get something named yes. after us. At least the coffee <laughs> shop, because we know I've spent a lot of money there. 
<laughs> That's how I feel about the coffee shop well, I go to. I go to every day uh, because I I, th- I feel like I need to I need to own some shares in that coffee shop. I just go there every day, buy the same, spend a lot of money there. I don't even have to order anymore. I I actually when I was on when Autumn Comes podcast, we had a full discussion on the fact that I just show up and they make my drink for me. And I don't even have to order. I just swipe and pay. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. My wife usually goes through a drive-thru. And they recognize her car before she's even there. And she's got a very unique order. So I know the other thing I'm looking forward to is just the upcoming episodes we have. I'm so excited that our season is shaping up already and and we know who we're going to talk to. So we're talking to uh, Jameis Lafreniere from Sophie's Hope, Crystal Barrett O'Loughlin from Angel Aid Cares, Patrick Girondi, who's our rare dad, a musical artist, and, oh, he runs a, a pharmaceutical company too, Susan Gagan, who runs Apricity Hope um, and is a rare mom and a grieving mom at the same time. The discussions we've had with them just promise to have wonderful discussions for our listeners to to learn from, enjoy, and gain inspiration from. So I hope everybody's ready to, to tune in uh, every couple weeks when we put out our episodes. So anything you guys want to close with? I want to close with a huge round of gra- huge amount of gratitude for you both and also for all of our listeners. Season four. I just never expected this to happen, honestly. I'm, I'm so glad we are continuing to move forward. Thank you for making me emotional slightly there, Sonnet. But I also want to just say thank you. This is a dream of mine to be on a podcast. And I can't believe that I'm here with the both of you. And we have so much to look forward to this year. And I can't wait to see what it brings. Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4.org on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. The SETD5 community is currently getting organized. We will let you know where you can donate soon. You can continue to follow Raghav and Everly stories next time on Raising Rare.